Welcome to Archetypes and the Planets, where Andre Carr and I, Bea Gonzalez, invite you to think metaphorically as we explore how we have collectively translated the map of the sky into our mythologies, religious systems, and personal psychology. So, Andre, we went through all of the planets in the last episodes, and what I thought we'd start doing now, moving forward, is to talk about the conversation the planets have, which we call aspects. So these are the geometric aspects that occur between planets in a natal chart or through transits. And the reason I think we need to talk about this is in the model that was given, I think maybe by Richard Tarnas, but I don't know who really at this point, about the planets being the, if you think of it as a play, the planets being the characters on the play, then in the play, sorry, then the aspects are the conversation that these plan, that these uh, characters are having on the stage, which seems to me really rather important, right? I mean, I guess you can have silent uh, uh, plays, but they're not as interesting in, in most of the time. And, and we don't have silent charts. Charts speak through the relationships uh, that the planets are having to each other. So I thought to make it easy, if people are learning or want to investigate this, that we just start with one aspect at a time and make our way through the planets over a couple of episodes, because this is really dense stuff when you're learning it. I think the, the way that when I've taught it, it just seems like so much information and repetition really helps. So I thought what we talk about today is the conjunction. And what did you tell us mathematically, what a conjunction looks like, what an orb is? Tell me something about what a, what this means, a conjunction. Yeah, conjunction is when two planets are next to each other, either really close to each other or less close. And that's where people talk about orbs, which is the distance between one planet and another. So if planets are right next to each other, you would see them listed with the same degrees, exact same degrees. And then you can look at the minutes, which is the fractions of the degree to see if it's super, super, super ultra tight or a little less so. And once you see the numbers being different, either more or less on either side of whatever you're looking at, then say the sun, for example, is at seven degrees, 30 minutes, something at exactly seven degrees, 30 minutes is exactly conjunct. But if it's uh, six degrees, five degrees, four degrees, it starts to be further and further away. And with the sun, because it's such a big, big force, anything even within 10 degrees of the sun, many astrologers will still consider a conjunction on either side, although then you get into arguments about, is it a stronger conjunction if the planet is on this side or that side? My interpretation of that is both are valid because if it's on the side that the sun will eventually reach the conjunction some days after the birth, then the person grows into that and if it's on the side where it already did it well then when they were experiencing it in their womb so it's probably affected the character so either way that's a valid conjunction and it applies to any planet conjoined any other planet uh in this case though we're starting with the sun so the sun would be the planet right having something next to it and and therefore that's why it's called conjoined means together together right together so it's basically on a wheel with 360 degrees 
we're basically talking about two planets that are occupying similar space within about an orb, usually a five degrees. It can go further. And in fact, in some astrologers, they, they talk about co-presences, which is they're in the same sign. But I'm, we're going to stick to the to more traditional way of looking at it, which is a conjunction is, let's say, let's talk about the five degree orb as a particularly strong uh, coming together of two energies. And yeah, let's start with the sun, because as you say, well, the sun's basically it. It's the biggest thing in the universe, as we talked about in our sun episode. So what I thought we'd do is go through each of the combinations and say, well, what would that look like? Now, let's bring two things out of the way that are often talked about, combustion and Kazemi. Combustion is uh, the idea that because the sun is so powerful, if a planet is close to it, it basically can uh, dilute its power, right? Because it basically overtakes it. And the other one is Kazemi, when there's various forms of Kazemi, either 0.17 degrees, I think the medieval astrologers thought you needed to have that kind of closeness, or a degree, I think the more Hellenistic astrologers, I might be getting this reversed. But anyway, it's the idea that this is called the heart of the sun, that if a planet is so close that then it takes on dignity, it has bigger, you know, a greater dignity. People will argue all day and all night about whether combustion or Kazemi actually plays out in a way uh, that this defined. So let's just leave it that those are two things that people talk about. So in case uh, people do bump into this, they know what, what, what that's about. But let's just talk in a general way about these planets. So we'll start with the sun and the moon conjunct, uh, conjuncting or being in the same space. What, what, is, what, what, what does it look like in the sky? I mean, this is a very, you can go out in the sky and see when the sun and moon are conjunct. And what, what does the, the night sky look like at that, at that uh, moment? Well, you actually can't see it in the sky because then you wouldn't see the moon exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the idea of the the sun being next to the moon means the earth is blocking yeah away so then you don't see the moon and that's effectively a new moon yeah and that new moon may or may not be in an eclipse situation as well which is right. a further thing you can add but you can immediately you know, just logically think about the fact that if the sun and the moon are in the same place they're in the same sign, the same location. So then both both those energies are in the same place for that person and what that means, you know, right, which, which right. is the idea that you could then say their purpose, their direction in life, their heart, their true being, the sun, everything that is big about them. By the way, the, the sun is the biggest thing in the solar system, not so much the universe, <laughs> but, oh. it, but it's <laughs> definitely in the solar system, no question. The sun in the solar system, this is one of the biggest... Uh, I think distortions that I, I often remind people about because you draw a chart and you the chart looks like there are all these points that are the same and the sun is the circle with a dot in the middle. It should really be a circle with a dot in the middle that is the size of the entire chart because it's so overwhelmingly big it makes all the other stuff seem inconsequential, right? right. So then in this case, that's a big important thing, but then the moon also in that spot and then you have to get into what conjunctions mean. And uh, the moon is especially interesting in the sense that because it defines the uh, separately and really majorly you know, important ways, cyclical patterns in a person's life, uh, it's the idea that the sun and moon, that's a new moon. So the new moon is a, a new beginning emotionally for that person, but you're born under that. So you, you know, it's a little hard to grasp to say, well, okay, so they're born on that. What does it mean? They're a new moon individual. Right. Um, and you can project into that and say it's a, a person that is uh, given to important starts in their life and, you know, things like that. Yeah. But to me, it's more of an energy the person carries 
where the sun and moon being together uh, makes them, let's say, put it this way, a, a big contrast to having that versus its opposite, which are people that are born on the full moon, when the moon right, is very right. bright at a different part of the cycle. And my own, this is a, a bias of sorts. If I were asked, which one would you want? I would take the full moon over the new mm. moon and my sense of the of the energies. But I have neither, first of all, so it's just a wish, so to speak. It doesn't really mean anything. And plenty of people with new moons do extremely well, and plenty of people with full moons do extremely well, yeah. and vice versa. You get every yeah. possibility. Right. But just the logic that the new moon, by and large, in fact, in Tibetan astrology, they literally call it demonic. They don't like mm -hmm. the new moon at all. They consider it a dark period, probably because the moon isn't there. And it's these, right. you know, this statement saying that the moon being there is is important, right? Okay. So, so that's a lot of, you know, uh, just a lot of impressions around. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. Of course, you are talking to a new moon person. So, just just putting it out there. I've never heard about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Right. I've never right. Heard although, it defined as demonic, but okay, although this is no, but okay. But in your case, let, let's yeah. clarify because in your case. The new moon, for you, the new moon is, I believe, 16 degrees yeah. or, mm -hmm. or no, maybe yeah. no, 19 degrees, 19 degrees from your sun. Right. So you have this, the sun and moon in the same sign, mm -hmm. but it's really it's almost a, a stretch. But you're right, like, but to call it a conjunction, it's a conjunction by energy and by, by sign, sure. but in the sense of a conjunction, it's pretty far away, even yeah, from yeah. the sun. Well, that's why I can degrees. joke about it with you now, yes. <laughs> right, right, exactly. No, exactly, exactly, right. Yeah. No, and, and by the way, the, the, see, this is the thing where you would, you, you would say immediately, if you have a new moon or sun and moon in the same sign, then it re-emphasizes re the sign even more because right. that's your sun-moon sign. So yeah. that person, in a way, has an advantage in that their emotional nature and their so-called true nature, the deepest self, same sign. But what is the counterpoint? The counterpoint is they have less perspective on it. They just think, well, this is just what it is, right? And someone looking at that person or feeling that person from the outside might say, wow, that person is just so all in on this thing that they do and they don't seem to understand the counterpoint and whatever. It's yes, because yes. the conjunction, that's the drawback to a conjunction. There's no perspective. The person just thinks, yeah, these two things go together and this is what I do and uh, what's the problem? And the problem is right. the perspective part, right? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I look at it archetypally as the sun being the solar journey, uh, being a masculine journey and in masculine in the sense of active journey, but these are words we can get trapped into as we've talked about before. And the the lunar journey being more the relational capacity, the the capacity to connect things. And so when you have them together, there is you can uh, you can almost say that they're working in tandem. They understand the habitual nature that is the moon understands how to get to the solar path in a way because they're just they're not they're not anti antithetical to each other, right? So they they then that way I think that is I agree with you that perspective can sometimes be skewed, but. On the other hand, you have this helping thing because one of the things we know about the two lights, they're the two among the most two important things you have in your chart. If they're at war, and that's my problem with the opposition that can be, on the one hand, yeah, you search the limelight and whatever, but on the other hand, it is hard to bring the help in that you need. Whereas I think um, the day-to-day -day affairs can contribute to the solar journey better if they're in the same. I mean, then you have to take every other planet that's involved there. Right. But I think right. those two uh, have that. But of course, and also I think we should point out that if it's in the same sign, it's not necessarily a new moon. It could be a balsamic phase moon because it could be behind the sun. It could be, in other words, that it could it may have not reached the sun yet. It may be five degrees on the other side. And as you say, that's um, 
that's in the womb kind of idea, right? That it would have been right, yeah. right. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So see, there you get into it. But the many, the many um, uh, variations and the subtleties in that, if someone, uh, someone has the sun, say hypothetically at uh, twenty-five degrees, some sign, whatever sign it is, and the moon, it just enters the right. sign. So the moon is not new yet. In fact, you may even still see a sliver in the sky, possibly. So it's not quite new, but it's new by sign. So uh, the the person still has those same energies, uh, meaning whatever sign it is, still the same thing. But you you could argue for the pluses and the minuses. If it gets closer to the sun, then it's more of a new moon in the traditional way, and uh, and all those things. If it's further away, there's more perspective in that way because right. the planets are not too close. And, you know, this is where you start to, uh, you know, you have to almost contemplate the poetry of when someone says, well, if it's too close, that's not too good because the sun is so big, overwhelms the other planet and all that. Okay, well, then it's good for it <laughs> to be a bit yeah. further back. And then you think of the reasons why that might not be so good in certain cases. Right. Right. So this is the thing with astrology that a lot of it, a lot of it is, letting your imagination and contemplation play with what you're looking at to get the feeling of it. And, you know, and then looking at what people are doing too with that particular thing in their life, right? Because that's how you look at a lot of charts um, to, to get feedback. Right? I, I'm taken by the fact that in synastry, in other words, when you look at two charts together to see how these two people would function, the sun-moon conjunction between two charts is actually considered one of the best connections you can have, almost because there is a coming together. I, mean, I think of the um, coming together that Carl Jung talked about. It is really trying to unite the sun and the moon uh, in a metaphorical sense, right? The, the feminine and the yeah. masculine. So it is it is something that can work definitely into your advantage um, in that sense. Right, that right. Again, we yeah, go back so to like the it, combination. Isn't that, that the traditional thing would be, but it doesn't matter. It can go either way. But the traditional would be if the man's sun, if the woman's sun, moon is is the same sign as the man's sun, then right. the moon energy, because the moon is receptive to the sun. Right, right. But you see it in reverse. I've seen plenty of cases oh, yeah, where... Oh, yeah, and it works just as well, because people are different well. balanced, right, with masking. But the idea is right. that there is some reception that these two would have and an understanding exactly. on a deeper emotional level. So moving exactly. to Mercury, right? Mercury um, in uh, conjunct the sun. And, okay, the, the moon may not... I mean, the moon moves very fast and moves around, so you may not get the moon-sun conjunction. You will probably get the moon-mercury conjunction, the sun-mercury conjunction, I should say, quite often because the mer mercury does not move that far away from the sun. I think it can't be, what is it, 28 degrees further than the sun? So because it is can't it, get away. I, it's in the astronomy of that the other way around, though, because the moon, this, the sun is going, so the sun is moving and the moon right. catches it once a month. So then right. all those people are on a new moon. But... I think, if I understand correctly, Sun-Mercury conjunctions, don't they happen a little, a little less frequently? Oh, probably because, they do happen. Now that I think of the mathematical yeah. side of it, you're right. Because they, they, yeah. the Mercury, the way Mercury and the Sun, they move so that Mercury will get in front of it and then will fall then behind. Will fall by behind, and, yeah. and every so often they come close. So the only thing is that, is that for Sun-Mercury, uh, you look at, is the person, are they really close? Or is, is Mercury on one side or the other? You know, the, the different variations. Yes, uh, yes, get, yes. Again, you, you get into arguments with people around. Do, if you get, for example, classic thing, since Mercury is a planet of thinking, 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 your mind is trying to sort through through thoughts. If you put it closer to the sun, 
then logically it might be more difficult for that person to detach or see their thoughts more objectively you know because yes. the person will say my thoughts well if they're your thoughts who are you yeah. <laughs> like and then you would be oh yeah i'm the son i'm the son that's right i forgot i i'm lost in my mind and perhaps a you know one of the interpretations could be if mercury is further away from the sun then the person may be more objective that way and be able to right. say right. no i there there's me and there's my thoughts but again, this is the thing where when people are learning astrology, they then write that down and put it in a box and think it always holds up yeah. perfectly. And, you know, it's like you're creating this character and this person is this way. It's not quite that right, simple. No, no. <laughs> it's interesting because the Mercury, when I was thinking of together, I was thinking together in the same sign, not particularly the conjunction. So I kind of lost the, the fact okay. that the mathematical part of it, of course, is the conjunction wouldn't happen as often as with the moon, but they tend to be in the same sign more than anything true. else. Because that's, of true. The, yes. that's what I was really trying to talk to, not the actual conjunction, but going to the conjunction. I mean, I, I like what you have to say, actually, because the solar is our path. It's our journey. All right. It's our masculine, our, our active path in the world. If the Mercury is too close, you're right. There could be an enmeshment that could actually not work for you sometimes. There could be some confusion because think about it of Mercury as a translator from the, the unconscious realm. That's one of the ways. I mean, that's one of the archetypal roles Mercury plays, right? It goes into the unconscious and then it translates what it sees there into consciousness. But if you've got it too close to the sun, even, you know, the Kazibi thing or not, you are going to have an enmeshment where it might be difficult to actually see, like to, to separate the strands in a way. Whereas I think if there is some distance, maybe you're right. Now, I mean, of course, you know, you can argue all day long about combustion because I think we've both seen examples of very powerful charts with a lot of combust planets that seem to be working pretty well. So it's it's a hard one to even look at. But yeah, yeah I can see that Mercury. But one thing, could you say then, though, that the a person with Mercury and the Sun conjunct, at least their ideas are actually uh, copacetic or in uh, work towards the solar journey because their the mind and the path are actually in somehow connecting could that work is that something that works yeah no of course because like for example take a a, a sign that uh is a certain way something like uh say virgo if you if virgo if the sun is in virgo and mercury's in virgo the person's purpose and the way they think about it the way they they relate to it same in the same sign but right. if it turns out that the person is Mercury in Libra or potentially Mercury in Leo, because that happens to Virgos sure. quite a bit, yeah. now the Mercury is off on a tangent doing this other thing that is not particularly Leo. For instance, Libra is much more relational right. and Virgo maybe wants to be in their head analyzing and so forth. Now they're doing the relationship thing or in Leo, it's the, the totally different thing where there's more showmanship and right. you get into confidence factors and it, it's quite different. Now, on the other hand, though, that's again where yeah. having it separate might be an asset because that gives perspective. Meaning, sure. for example, take a sign. If you take Sagittarius, which is tends to be a roaming uh, you know, type of sign where discipline would not be their first priority. And then they have their Mercury in Capricorn, that'll help stabilize them and it'll help to make them more practical because the Mercury will be saying, well, yeah, that stuff is that philosophical, all that stuff, that's great. But what are you going to do with that? Capricorn will often ask, what is the purpose of this this whole you know, thing? So then that would help, right? Sure, uh, sure. And, and so these are the things that you're always looking at to try to get a, a sense of the person's, right. you know, right. the person's balance with these things. Yeah. One so of the examples. 
one of the examples that always comes to mind for me with Mercury, uh, Mercury and Sun is, and I was mentioning him earlier, was uh, the the great myth, mytho, mythologist or study or teacher of mythology, Joseph Campbell, who had Akazimi Mercury. So the Mercury was very close to the heart of the Sun in Aries, mm-hmm. and he charted the path of the hero, right, the hero's journey. And he was a great speaker. He he. The reason I think he did so well is that he could communicate these ideas in a way that people really felt energized, and he had all that Aries quality, right? And he was exploring new territory in ways, but intellectually. Mm-hmm. And so his Mercury to me seems really pitched, even though it's in Aries. You think, well, you know, it's not it's not in Virgo. It's but it didn't matter. He was able to communicate the enthusiasm and that kind of fire love of exploration, intellectual exploration that you get with people. And you see that the journey he had, that Mercury, that solar journey, which is to bring this into the path of consciousness was very aligned to his writing work, Mercury, to speaking, and to the fact that he even became famous, even though he died before he even saw this on PBS, right? By being interviewed by Bill Moyers uh, for the series he did and uh, the power of myth. And so you see that this is a, a Mercury that was able to translate that solar journey so well. That was, he was the ultimate teacher. Um, you know, and then you have to look at other things. Of course, you can't only look at one thing, but I'm just speaking about how it doesn't even matter what vestments or clothes or signs you wear. It, it Really what you're getting in that sense is you look at it and you go, okay, Mercury, uh, sun, it's in Aries. So he's going to be exploring new territory and he's going to bring enthusiasm and he's going to bring all those great fire qualities. But but ultimately it's a combination of the two, right? That that made this so powerful. All right, so then yeah. we move to Venus, well, right? By the oh, way, ahead, really sorry. quickly, by the way, yeah. really quickly, uh, you also can see that this is the person who is doing exploring that territory. It's a writer, someone who is communicating. Yeah. So they're in a sense, like a super Mercury. They're just doing right. everything through the Mercury. So that's in a way if you're talking about conjunctions it's the idea that the sun links to that links to that inevitably it has to because it's there so that's the way the person translates and didn't you say didn't i hear you say that oprah has another one of those because yeah so that that leads very nicely to the next one because it's sun venus and she has the sun venus oh sun venus Venus. okay i thought it said no no it's venus yeah and if you think about it what is oprah known for it's her incredible relational capacity her ability and it's in the third house by the way of talking and communicating Mm. and talk shows and she's phenomenal at sitting with people and getting them to fess up or maybe say things that they wouldn't otherwise. She's also sad, rising, so very brilliant, very, but but anyway, the point is that, that she has a also a Venus Kazemi, uh, right conjunct in the heart of the sun. And if you think about it, even and it's an Aquarius, so it's not in particularly a, 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 a sign that you would think is particularly good at relationship. And yet she's a master at this. This is what has given her the great weight that she's had, mm-hmm. right? And Paul, I mean, certainly from the, I mean, we could argue well, some people don't like her, some people like her, it doesn't matter. You look at the way the world in general has received her and it really has always been as a person who is able to uh, interview people and get them to connect with her on a heart basis, right? Uh, yeah, and then yeah, people no, trust her. I mean, that's just the way it is. Well, and, and uh, the relationship, pardon me, Aquarius, Aquarius, from the vantage point of relating the idea of relating in a friendly way where it's more of an acquaintanceship because she relates to so many people. Yes, of course. Yeah. These are not, they're, they're her friends in quotes. Not really. No, the point no. is she's an expert at socializing, which is what Aquarius does really well. Right. So you put her in a room full of people and she's going to do extremely well. If it were, if it were in Libra, then it becomes more of a one-on-one thing. Right. right. Maybe if it's in Gemini, then it turns into a scientific quest, you know, of some kind where you're doing something. But Aquarius is perfect for what she does, right? Because you're communicating with the group, 
but in the third sign, which where you're communicating in the most direct way, so to speak. Right. So I, I would think there it's it's really, yeah, really helpful. Well, the other thing about her, of course, too, or I should say Aquarius, is that one thing she has done is brought a lot of outlier ideas into the conversation. So she was the first person to bring Eckhart Tolle in 2008, using the internet in a way nobody had, technology, Aquarius, to bring on a speaker that, you know, she had this series that everybody watched and whatever. Uh, so she's also been really good at breaking through, bringing people that most people wouldn't have heard of, you know, James Hellman, mm -hmm. people that really were on the margins sometimes, she brought them into the consciousness because it was her own trip, her own Sagittarian search for meaning, right? So her, her chart's actually a great example of somebody who lived out a lot of the significations in a classical way. I'm not saying everybody will live it out that way. But in general, when you bring Venus and, and the sun together, what kind of things do you see? What kind of things are privileged or, or um, become important? Well, with Venus, Venus, you always think of, of beauty. Uh, so, uh, you know, and you can let that, I mean, that turns into possibly into art. Yes. Uh, uh, broadly speaking, but it could be uh, matters related to women because Venus is connected to that. I mean, you might find another person that is, for other reasons in the chart, Venus could turn out, you know, they, you ask them, well, what are you doing? They say, oh, I sell diamonds. And you go, wait a second. Mm, how do, and you realize there's a connection to Venus in that sense because it's the beauty of the fact that Saturn is somewhere else and that rules stones and all that. So yeah. there's where you have to calibrate it, including that when you said, for instance, about something like Copra, right away you know that Venus is next to the sun, but rules, because she's Sagittarius rising, rules the sixth and rules the eleventh. So the eleventh, which is the Aquarius, natural place of Aquarius, increases right. the power of that of right. that particular thing and taurus there it's the sixth sign which is more related to service more related to the idea that she's going to be sensitive to anything that has to do with improving people's lives you know repairing fixing so then bringing people someone like Eckhart Tolle immediately fits that yes. role or anybody else that she's promoting so it depends uh on on so many factors in the right. chart but the venusian uh, something about the Venus and what it's doing in the chart, you know, it's going to be really important right. because, it's, because it's next to the sun. Yeah. Uh, At the very uh, least, I would think that people with Venus and the sun in the same area would privilege relationship, would, would, would find that uh, the, the this Venus subject becomes very important, right? Uh, in a way that maybe with other planets we'll talk about, it won't be as much. And so maybe there's a, a bigger okay. drive to relate. But maybe is, not, but, okay. <laughs> no, no, there, no, there is. There is no, well, there is, I don't know about the, the, a bigger drive to relate. That's if the Venus uh, connects to, you know, to the Libra principle and they're relating well. But can you see how, because I've seen this and this is fascinating, Sun Venus people can also become very narcissistic. Because oh, Venus that I can see. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes. It's sort of like, there's, like you're relating to yourself. So yes. the, the Venus, which is the mirror you look into, is the, you know, a narcissist is gazing at the water and imagines that he is all there is or she is all there is to it. So then there's this constant self-reference. And this is where a Sun-Venus conjunction could become a huge problem because if the person has no perspective on the Venus, so that if you think relating, it's immediately, no, it's not you, it's relate. Well, they're relate, yeah, they're relating, but it only goes this far. It's right there, it's they themselves. <laughs> so it would be potentially one of the most dangerous conjunctions to have. But this is where, though, once again, you get into this X factor because you start to wonder why do some people become this way and you can do things like, well, maybe they're an only child or something happens to them that they turn in this direction. But you get plenty of narcissists and they have four, four brothers, whatever. There's no, yeah, yeah. it's really hard to, to, to say in every single case, this is what tends to happen. Sure. And yeah, yeah, not always yeah. true.
just no interesting it's funny because i'm thinking of the sun also if you think of combustion that it can obliterate that power as well i mean if you follow that rule of the venus to be able to bring forth its significations right it could be something that's sorted because the sun just swallows it up and it can't it can't function so that that is definitely part of it but even without it you're right if venus is relation is relating and it's close to the sun then yes you start thinking that the whole world the sun is you and there's nothing outside yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly no i know what i mean we're laughing yeah. about it but but the no, no, of, I, I, do you, the, can the you think of, this... of a chart can you think of a chart that comes to mind uh that that has that set up that you would say well the only chart that came to my the only chart i came that came to mind i i can't it's it's it can't be revealed let's just say okay. that i know but <laughs> yeah. but it it's it's the kind of thing, like put it this way, I generally, when I'm doing my charts, right. uh, if I see a planet, Kazemi or not, if I see a planet too close to the sun, I immediately think of it as more of a liability than, mm. a, than an asset, if it's too close. Mm. And you see, it, particularly in political figures, if they get a planet, you know, I'm just jumping briefly away here from to other planets for a second, but a planet like Uranus, for example, that is yeah. very, very... Uh, independently oriented, which actually is really helpful to any person to go their own way and not be caught up in, in, in too many structures and rules or whatever. But typically, a person like that appears to have a hard time doing a genuine version of independence. It's as though they never grew up past their, their teenage years and they think independence means oppositional behavior, right. rebellious, radical, unpredictable, all the qualities of Uranus that you think of as not particularly helpful right. and i and i'll go no i see that planet is too close and right. I, or you take a totally different energy which is saturn and you put it right next to the sun the person can maybe really hard working and then you start to notice this strange thing where maybe like why are they doing all that work or why are they what is it they, it's almost like they're stuck they can't seem to put the archetype in perspective and so right right if they become annoying to the environment let's but that's a way to put it right people then <laughs> think of them as ah oh, that person you know they're, they're so annoying because they're using the, pl the planet in an incorrect way right. right so just returning back to the venus though you can imagine for example someone with sun venus and if you see them doing too much preening and pointing at themselves people find them annoying you know because they, yes eventually they think, <laughs> it will be annoying you're not fitting in here you're doing something <laughs> Right. Me, me, me. I know. I did. It's, it, 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 I, we've all met the, the types, so I totally understand. Yeah, that, that's so interesting. Moving to Mars, Sun and Mars together. Now we have two masculine, the principle of, you know, two masculine principles at work. One is more of a solar path for everybody. But the, usually when I think of Mars, I think of the way we take action, right, in the yes. world. What happens when you put these two together? What, uh, what kind of action is taken generally in the world? Well, that, it, that's actually a great example of an energy that this I have seen in charts for sure, where Sun, Mars together, you would think this then endows the person with tremendous action potential. And uh, if anything, you would think this person will be perhaps more aggressive than you than you would expect, because Mars is a is a forward planet and it goes through aggression all the way to combat, you know, and right. Uh, irascible or even violent behavior and yet I, I notice in women in particular when Mars is right next to their son they often project it and they right. will find that in men that then annoy them because the the man is doing too much Mars and it's because they themselves have difficulty with the Mars so 
in theory, it's supposed to help you take action. You know, think about it. If we talk about conjunction, Sun, Mars, that should be easy because right. Mars is there. So the way I am, what I want to be, what I want to become, and I can just take action toward that. That's not exactly what I found. There, there's a, a tendency for it to, in other words, the Mars, instead of becoming stronger, isn't necessarily helped by being that close to the sun, right? That's right. The, the logic of that one. Interesting, just on the sideline, if you saw a chart with that set up for, for women or men, because it could also be their men. No, no, the men too. No, yeah, men yeah, as well. I mean, yeah. it's masculine energy. Okay. So what would be your line of, um, what would you, in a consulting situation, what would it be that you would offer up as a possible solution in that case? Like, well, what do you do? How do you own that Mars for yourself? Well, the, this is where the one size fits all in the sense that if, you, if you're looking for a, a universal principle that applies to everything and everyone in all situations, then it's just awareness because, because awareness is the, the faculty in someone that helps them to realize that they're doing something or that they're thinking something or whatever it is. It's something has to be discovered. And once it's discovered that way, some part of you that the part of you that is aware and some people can even say the part of you that is aware is your real most true part your most true whatever that is so then you become aware over time because you're not going to do this in three seconds you know you, you you get awareness over and over and over until you realize it and then you can begin to do it differently that right. that's the best way that i can explain okay. it so Damn, so the awareness I, is the is rightly rightly so it's probably the key to everything because once you make something conscious you can't really behave according to the old patterns because you have some awareness and you can see it sometimes it takes a bit of space sometimes it takes you maybe five seconds to notice you have fallen into the same trap but you will catch it and that is yeah. i think the answer probably to everything absolutely so then we look yeah. at sun jupiter together in the same space what happens then now we got jupiter is the second largest thing in the sky aside from the sun um i mean after the sun it is the biggest thing well, you see, Sun Jupiter, that's a really interesting one because what I've noticed with Sun Jupiter considerably more than one time, this has come up quite a bit, okay. is that you, you think immediately, great, Sun next to the most uh, expansive, beneficial planet, you immediately think this person should be pretty lucky, right? right. I mean, what more can you want than Sun Jupiter? But I noticed the strange about Sun Jupiter, and this is the combust uh, mm. quality. It seems to show up too frequently for comfort with individuals that are lucky, but they don't think they're lucky. They're, they're, mm. they, they don't, something about their life, they wish it were something different. They wish that there were more, more things were happening, that they're held back in some way. In other words, it, it almost seems to propel them into their Saturn and instead of realizing, no, Sun is conjunct Jupiter, and and mm -hmm. so it's not particularly the the super you know mm -hmm. confident energy you would expect. Although it's uh, there's the proximity to the combustion would be, say, up to about ten degrees at most. By the time you get to ten degrees, it's fine because Jupiter in your sign, if if Jupiter is at five degrees and the Sun is at twenty, let's say, that's actually a, a strong asset it's when it gets too close that i've too seen close, this effect yeah. right um, yeah. yeah it's interesting i you know i don't think i've ever heard anybody else mention the word perspective when it comes to the issue with combustion but that's actually maybe a lot 
what what the what the problem is. Just that there is it's harder to get perspective, and when you can't get perspective, you can't actually act in a way uh, because yeah, you're always right. being held back by a wrong, an incorrect vision. Let's say, right? So maybe that's a better way to describe combustion than the idea that the sun comes and it burns up everything. In a way, burning up everything means it burns up the potential of whatever that 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 archetype has to express itself, right? Because it can't right. quite take the heat. It's trying to get out of that place, and you can't. I mean, we all know how we feel, frankly, right. when, when those days, like today here in Toronto, where you can't breathe. So it, it's very hard to then effectuate it. It could get anything into action. So I think I really like the idea. Yeah, that of perspective being related to the issue of combustion. It's funny you should say that. You know, I know a person that has Sun conjunct Jupiter and Sagittarius of all places. And that is exactly what I see, that there's a lack of recognition of the the the, the gifts that uh, she has and the and the, 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 the you know the the and how much she's accomplished, which I always yeah. thought was very strange because it's yeah, you Jupiter. Well you think, yeah, you don't you'd also you'd also think Jupiter is is in a sense like another sun. It's a very confident uh energy is great for politicians you know the idea of i know what to do follow me type energy right and yet it's inexplicable sometimes you see them next to the sun and if, if, any, if anything there's a confidence problem there's something that uh, what's happening here i'm not sure and you typically find somewhere else you know saturn conjunct the moon or some right. saturn thing that explains it but yeah, that's that's, that's uh, also there. And, and again, we should repeat that this is uh, really going to be more operative within five degrees a lot, and even within 10, yes. but that if you they're in the same sign with 20 degrees separating them, it's a different thing. They're actually helpful to each other because they do have that perspective. That separation allows for distance and and maybe cold, hard reflection, which you don't get when you're in the heat of the sun, right? right. Where you just, you're too, as you say, you take things too personally. So let's go right. to the one that, of course, um, everybody... Uh, fears, which is, or not everybody, but I guess astrologers generally look at, that's the Saturn-Sun conjunction, because you take a very cold planet, a planet associated with limitation and hard work and discipline and and really death, the the the, the edge between material reality and non-material reality, and you put it together with the solar, the hottest thing there, what the heck happens then? Well, it means, it means the person is uh, really attuned really pulled by the Saturn energy so on the you always think to my mind with these things up down or high expression or you could say light and shadow mm -hmm. whatever you want to choose to to describe that these energies they're not a fixed thing and it can be a bit of a crapshoot in terms of what you get because you would think sometimes well it's because of the family that you were in grew up in or whatever it is and they not doesn't always hold up know. who knows you know there's a yeah. Mysterious factor. So Saturn on the high end, because Saturn is a contraction force. So Saturn ultimately is is in constant dissatisfaction, trying to work to achieve something. You concentrate and you try to achieve it. So that could mean a really hardworking person, and I've seen that, no question. However, if something goes wrong, and for whatever reason the person is wounded, is somehow uh, find themselves especially early in life in some really difficult place that Saturn being a contraction force can become incredibly depressive and then you could get an individual who's doing both right a person you know the Churchillian type thing where they're working 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 and then you hear oh and Churchill was you know would have these he called them the black dog like he's really yes. depressed period and you think yeah, yeah. what the heck was happening you know, yeah. look what he was achieving he's this big figure and yet he couldn't be happy. Uh, now I'm not saying he, probably no, he wasn't even Saturn's son. He's just doing that particular uh, effect, you know, where the Saturn 
on the on the downside because it's contractive can can feel like a like a real downer. And by the way, I'll be totally honest to say, if you're you a lot of these things, you know, when we're talking about what they mean, uh, this is where if a person is interested in astrology, you know, you learn what a conjunction means when you have a transit and you experience the conjunction right, sure, because it's going through there. And believe me. You will know immediately the feeling of Saturn and the feeling of Jupiter when you experience those two. Yeah, it's very so different. obvious. <laughs> yeah, very you know, different. Like for all kinds of reasons, how you feel, the things right. that are happening around you. You have to be dense, like thick as two planks, to not recognize <laughs> you know the, the 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 variance between those two, right? So, I, and by the way, you again, it's easy to say, well, no, I want the Jupiter. Yeah, maybe you do, but realize that if the Jupiter it descends into the more difficult side. Jupiter being expansive is also indulgent. Jupiter doesn't yeah, like yeah. working. You know, no. just like Zeus. Zeus was partying all the time, right? <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> so doesn't like working. If you're gonna life on Earth, almost always requires work and focus. So Saturn is the one that encourages you to work. Jupiter yeah. does not, right? So yeah, my experience of that Saturn Sun conjunction, and you know, and people who are born who are early Pisces people are experiencing that conjunction to their Sun right now. Um, and so they they may feel that you feel a little bit like the energy isn't there that there's something that the life spirit has gone missing uh, but you can you can maybe find yourself working very hard but seeing maybe not many results I've seen it uh, play out many different ways in transit but the people I've met with Saturn Sun have always seemed to me to behave a bit Capricornian and that they, 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 there's a dour there's a little bit more of a serious expression in how they approach things it's almost like uh, you know, they're a little bit old before their time, or they, they, they're, they're like, they, they've understood that life has suffering in it. There's something about it that makes them even in, in signs where you would think, well, that's a, you know, a fire sign, it should be, but no, there's a feeling of heaviness in their journey and their path. But that doesn't mean they don't accomplish. In fact, I agree with you, Saturn gives you the capacity in the backbone and the discipline to 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 work out work everybody so you'll get there but i still feel the heaviness sometimes of that kind of thing like as any saturn contact will will give you that feeling of heaviness and partially yeah. it is also a feeling of responsibility you, you get the sense one thing i've seen i don't know if you've seen this is saturn sun people being made to be caregivers to parents uh, early on, almost like they had to take over the role of being right. a parental figure to a parent. Yeah. And that's maybe where the early wounding happens. I've seen it many times, actually. Yeah, uh, well, you know, by the way, you can see this is again where you, you uh, the astrology is in a, in a lot of ways a calibration exercise for the astrologer because what you just said is totally true. Or you could hear the same story and they and the person will say, you know, I had this early life experience where I was thrown into all this responsibility in, in themes and in areas that normally you expect to be much older. But for whatever reason, that person's wiring uh, adapts to it, uh, works with it, and it makes them more responsible for life, more successful because they acquire that at a much earlier age. There's much less, you know, ideas of there are less ideas of entitlement or uh, you know, more Jupiterian, well, why am I not getting this for free type thing? The Saturn just says, no, you don't get anything for free. Just get to work and do what you're doing. And there, being under pressure when you're younger can be a huge asset, provided it didn't break you, you know, right, at, right. somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, you're totally right that if you see, for instance, Saturn near the sun or Saturn right on the ascendant or somewhere where it's very close to the person's makeup, that they'll, yes, the, the, the conjunction, the fact that Saturn is like that, inclines the person in that direction right. yeah 
I would say also that this is where we're talking in generalities. We're talking about two planets coming together, but a chart is a very complex system with where you could have yes. a countervailing force and Jupiter, let's say, maybe trining the sun and that allows the sun its expression, even though Saturn is there. So there are many ways to look at it. But in general, I think Saturn in a conjunction to anything brings a certain heaviness of tone that does, does not exist know, with, you know. And by the way, I mean, remember I was saying about transits, right? So look at this scenario we're currently in. Uh, quick segue to politics. So Mitch McConnell is an early Pisces. Right. Now, the odds that he just had experienced an event that appears to be a bit of a stroke or something went wrong there. Right. He's at very, very early Pisces. The way to understand transits is Saturn is in that region because until next uh, February, March, it doesn't leave the early degrees of Pisces because it's going to be hanging there at the end of the year, which separately makes that a particularly tricky time. Saturn is conjoining his right. sun energy by transit. The odds that Saturn does that, which is I'm not very pleasant at all. I'm sure he went no. home and what the heck just happened. That, Saturn is much more likely to do that than Jupiter. Jupiter might, but it's it would take a, quite a coincidence for it to be the Jupiter that said, oh, that yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, of course. Usually Jupiter, no, unless it's tied with something else, like the growth of tumors or something from the expansion, right, right. Some, some side issue. So that's the point that Saturn, by and large, is more of a hardship quality. Yeah. So if you are born under that, that's what you experience. But think about how uh, this is like uh, when I, I remember many years ago studying Gurdjieff, you know, Capricorn. And so this, there's Saturn everywhere. And he really made a virtue of my parents gave me such a hard time that I became really hard and strong. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, yeah. No, it has <laughs> of course. I, I mean, this is this is one of the one, one of the things that makes um, uh, people crazy about astrology because it's not quantifiable in ways they would like to tabulate. You know, you can't quantify it the way you would do any other. It is really requires uh, a a perspective of uh, not only the whole chart, but what consciousness the person is bringing to the chart. And that will change given. So some people will say, yes, that was what made me me. And you've met plenty of them because I think Saturn also really gives you respect for hardship. It really does. Yes. I mean, I, yes. this is, you know, being a very Saturn type person myself, having, you know, so many planets in Capricorn. What, I, what I've always, I've been attracted to the classical Greeks. Well, what do the classical Greeks tell you? They tell you suffering is the fastest horse to completion. And that seems to me like a very Saturnian type of thing to say, but it is actually also yeah. very true, right? How do you learn? You learn by being roasted, right? And then you get out and you go, okay, this is, it's not pleasant, but I have a great respect for it because, you know, Jupiter makes you very happy and very drunk, but it doesn't really necessarily get the work ethic going and, and, get, it, and, and get you focused to do what you need to do. So both are, and, and of course it depends in both cases what's happening, but I totally understand what you're saying. Okay, so Uranus is their next in the in the list. Now, you've already talked about this on Uranus problem, which could be that you need to get someone very brilliant or you get someone who's just a rule breaker and a completely chaos agent. Uh, right. we, we know one. We know a prominent one that is such such a person. And and actually, by the way. Ever... <laughs> <laughs> I know. The, the he who shall remain nameless. I mean, nameless, because the, everybody the, speaks about him too much and it just gets he's boring. Also, he's also known as, he's known as the big T, right? The big T. <laughs> the big T, yes. Um, um, but, but the chaos agent is really funny because, I, I, you know, you've had the earnest transit to your son like I did. 
And what I found going through that, and that's a one in 80, every 84 years event because it only yeah, reaches your you son not, every you may never you see, never see it. it yeah, again, exactly. right? Okay, yeah. you may not even see it, but we did. And I remember at that time just how utterly chaotic my life was due to circumstances. I had no control over it. That was what was crazy about it. You know, uh, hmm. you know, I was doing graduate work in England and I remember the Gulf War started and I was working, you know, to try to help my um to help pay off my debts. I was I was trying to or to help pay for this program. I was working for the doing translation work for the hotel industry. Well, the hotel industry totally collapsed because people stopped traveling. I had no control over that, right? So that put me in a very precarious financial situation. And then there were other things I had no control over, like the thesis supervisor left. I mean, just weird things that all coalesced, mm. ultimately mm. to free me, liberation, Uranus, from my that path, the solar path, that I was on the wrong path. I was trying to get a PhD. It wasn't really what I needed to do. So all these things, but it felt so chaotic. So I'm wondering... Is this the internal kind of working? So, you know, I have a son with this with this actual aspect. So, I, in Aquarius, so I can see how it can uh, manifest. But is this what what happens in the in the solar path that when you have Uranus very close, it's very hard to maybe even go on a straight and steady path because there is Uranian activity always going on. How do you have you seen it beyond beyond the the man who should not be named? How have you seen this manifested? in um, actual charts of people uh, you've consulted well, they, with. You know, once again, though, the, the, including the, the, the big T, uh, to me, the Uranus, in, when it's too close, he may not be the best example. And uh, the more common thing, if it's, if it's combust, if it's right up close to the sun, the person has a harder time embodying real independence. There's an independence there. There always is because when the when the planet planet like Uranus conjunct the sun, you can broadly speaking say this person, you know, they appear to be pretty independent. But look a little closer, and then you find some big flaw where they're dependent on something, or they're not quite uh, fully being themselves the way they they could be because they're following someone else's something, you know, something that guides them and so forth. Yes. From the Uranus being being too close, the Uranus being a factor of of uh, expressing your unique self, be, being as independent as possible. And you'd think, if, since it's next to the sun, that should be easy peasy. It, it's better if it's further away, you right. know, at right. birth. At birth. Yes. Now, the thing, what you were saying before, though, that's in transit where... In transit, yes. Transit, yes. these things where, when you're looking at a, at a, at a, at a uh, chart, the transit, the closer it is to the point, the more you feel it. That's a yeah. total rule, oh, yeah. right? There, there you forget about combustion and all that. That no longer applies. In fact, then you can even say the closer it is, the more likely it is you'll figure out what it is. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> further away, that's kind of there. Then it's really on you, and then something will happen. We go, wow, it's in the building. Right. It's really clear to me, you know, that right. uh, that it's present. So, well, and yeah. you see it actually in mundane charts when revolutions happen or revolts or, you know, radical change. It's in the building. And when it hits, it totally radicalizes the groups that will go out there and, and you know, bring out the pitchforks because they've had enough. So you see it, how it can happen in the world. In, in the personal chart, it can happen at birth. It can be that there is a, the way I've looked at it is that there is a constant need to change things up, to revolutionize, to to dramatically alter your circumstances, to fit maybe a new vision, because Uranus can have a very far-reaching vision of what you want it to be. But again, the combustion, as you say, may actually limit that capacity because, and I again go back to the fact that I think it's a brilliant word you use, because perspective won't be there. 
So you can't see it. Right. And so you might even be rebelling against the wrong thing, right? You might never even know what you're rebelling against. So again, that's the problem with having to, uh, any planet that close to the sun. How about now Neptune? We get to the planet of confusion, <laughs> the planet of yeah. creativity. And, and also, by the way, also, of course, many other things, dissolution, but also of connection on a very high level, uh, spiritually. We can talk about artistically. Uh, you see a lot in artist charts. What happens when the sun and Neptune come together? What, what, where's the flawed vision of two combustion there? And, and well, the, well, one way to to uh, understand Neptune, Neptune in some ways is not exactly the opposite, but definitely a, a, a great contrast to to Uranus because Uranus tends to be a sped up, electrified energy and connects. For example, to excitement really easily. That's what, in a way, electricity seems to convey that. And uh, whereas Neptune is much more connected to peace and tranquility, there you can get into why it has more affinity with, say, Venus, and Uranus has more affinity with Mercury. For example, it's in the, in the same um, same range. So Neptune. At Neptune individuals more artistic, more more inclusive as well. Uranus tends to be more exclusive, yes, because it's an independent energy. Where Neptune is more prone to joining. So when you join, you you can lose yourself, and then you can be confused. Of course, that's true, right. and that's also often the source of your artistry. The fact that right. you're floating in space and everything is you know coming at you from in, in every direction. Many artists are like that. The way one person that I've studied explains it is that he says their subconscious is more porous so it keeps getting energy from the universe and then they express it as collective energy that is expressing through them and that has the neptune quality the idea that uh that but but think about it it's a sense that you're 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 becoming relaxed and open to what is above you or to what is beyond you right. so you can express it and sometimes you can get uh a sense of what the planet might mean by noticing people that are born with a Sun-Neptune conjunction. I remember years and years ago when I was starting to get the sense of what these planets meant and I, I remember you know, thinking, okay, Neptune in one sense would mean being really, really peaceful within yourself in some way, almost to the point where you disappear or disappear completely, literally. It's just your peace, your peace itself. And just a little bit below that, it's the idea that you start to get visions and you start to, uh, your imagination, which is very Neptunian as well, yes. feels like it's real. And then, then from there you jump to the next level with this whole teaching that has been around now for decades and decades, visualize something in order to make it real. Well, that's being done consciously or unconsciously, because if you, if you look at anything you see around you, someone visualized it in some way in order to make it happen. Yeah. So that's the force of Neptune. And I remember years ago, uh, I, I had this, I still have it actually, but at the time I had read it some months before, maybe a couple of years, Shakti Gawain, who was, mm -hmm. she wrote the book, Creative yeah, Visualization. Sure. And I remember thinking, I'm, you know, this person must have a lot of Neptune. Right. And what I go look and sun conjunct Neptune. Right. <laughs> there you are. So she had to write a book. <laughs> so, it's, like, it's like how you would expect you would expect it, you know. And she's saying things like, for instance, create your imagine uh, your ideal life, put it in a pink bubble and have it float away. All these exercises where she is making imagination equivalent to life in some way. Right, right, right. That, that's that so interesting. Neptune. 
because yeah. they used to be laughed at. And now every, every, absolutely every elite sports coach is using exactly this technique to get their, their, um, their athletes. Exactly. Actually, I just on the Neptune issue, I've just finished a biography of the musician, Jeff Buckley, who died at 27 by basically walking into a river. And, uh, you know, he wasn't trying to commit suicide. This is awful. I mean, he, he walked into a, a river and was swept under and died very young, but it was a tremendous, tremendous talent. And if you hear him sing, you get the sense of longing. He just got this incredible sense of he's so incredibly emotional. And you look at his chart and he had the sun, Neptune, Venus, and I think Mercury all conjunct in Scorpio. And you wow. just hear it so much in that need to merge with, with some emotional state. Uh, and I think that's what gave him his power. I mean, he's become iconic since he died. People listen to his music all the time. And they he had one no, album really? called, called Grace, of course, that people are still talking about so many years later, you know, and you think, well, how did that happen? And, and you look at it and go, okay, this is the power at work, right? Of Neptune, this need to dissolve to the point that you almost dissolve in, you know, like, I mean, tragically in, in water, but it's so, more just so what you hear in the music. He, he walked into a river, you said? Yeah, he was just, he was, he was wearing boots and he was just fooling around with one of his friends and he basically walked in and it was singing a song, not being careful. It was, I think, in Tennessee. And what happened is there's an undertow he didn't realize and he just basically disappeared and they didn't find him for three days or four days afterwards. It was, you know, somebody found uh, him stuck to branches. That, that has the feeling of, uh, uh, what, what, what sign was the conjunction in? Scorpio. Okay, yeah, Scorpio. Of, so yeah. You think about, because, you know, I noticed that Neptune this thing that happened with the submersible the right. pisces has more of a feeling of the ocean yes. scorpio has the feeling of a swamp yes. but That's scorpio right i mean when you think about a river a dark river you know that holds you under yeah, yeah. that has the feeling of scorpio but then you know my mind immediately goes to this thing where like he gets the same peter and peter says like why don't you walk into the river i know why i know but you that? know he wasn't 27 sorry i made no i know he i know he was 31 I, no, I want to make this clear because he was actually 30, 30 or 31 and he had Saturn was in Pisces in his in his chart and Saturn had just I think he had just had a Saturn return or was in the middle of his first Saturn return. But the point is, is that this was the, when you look at I'm more commenting, not in the way he died as much as his music, the quality of his, his music. music. No, that's true. He's yeah, incredibly yeah. Neptunian, just just incredibly Neptunian. I mean, the circumstances of his death are extremely tragic. But you just feel like a person who, and by the way, one of the persons he used to, he connected with was, was a Sufi, a Sufi singer, and they would sing together. You could tell that there was a longing to have a deeper connection. And I think that's the Neptune side that is yeah. very positive, you know? Yeah. Course, no, the very negative sense. is you, a lot of people do drugs, but because well, they want to get yeah. to that same state, but you know, that's, that's it. But it was part of his path. I guess what I want to say there is that the sun Neptune, if you look at his path in life, he's a Leo rising. Okay. So the sun right. becomes extremely important. It was to communicate to people a deep longing that they didn't even know they had. And that is why still he died in 1996. I believe there are still people talking about him and sharing his music. And he's been incredibly influential to other musicians. And I think that that is the capacity of the people that translate Neptune for you can, and especially musicians, because I think music is really something that has feeling really encoded can really, really have you connect right to an idea of the transcendent that maybe you didn't know existed, but the person already had it in their chart. That's what they were doing. You know, that's right. Yeah. No. And the Neptune, Neptune being conjunct like that, of course, in his case, it's really extreme because other things are conjunct and he's in a sign that itself is a merging, joining sign. So it, you're, you're increasing the same force, you're multiplying it more and more. The thing would be, though, that his longing 
what, if you think about it, it's the longing to die, you know, the mouth to a flame, like yeah, you want to yeah. disappear, you realize that what you are is incredibly limited compared to this other feeling you can join to. Yes. Yes. And now just any sun Neptune, even if you don't make it that extreme, and you put it in, say you put it in Gemini, for example, which is not at all that way, because that person with sun Neptune in Gemini, maybe they spend hours thinking about scientific like a tesla type yes, you know yes, thinking yes, about yes, engines yes, whatever yes. and yet the neptune quality being what it is you you could also say for any person like that the 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 idea is to join in joining and disappearing you find yourself which yes. is paradoxical because it's the opposite of what you think but it's the idea that you let go and go into that really expansive uh very open-ended thing which i know separately can be confusing of course because you're trying to <laughs> you're trying yeah. to pin down in open space but that's the logic of, of, right, of sun right. and then, yeah as long as you it's find a, a way to do it in a way that is good it, it, and it that can... does not yeah that and ultimately that does not actually physically sacrifice the the person it's it's the the other word for neptune of course is also sacrifice so we'll, we'll finish with pluto because i think pluto and the sun we're talking about two forces one very large one very small but still oh my god you put them together and they can be extremely extremely powerful what what uh what is your take of the sun pluto conjunction Do, does well, the sun combine let me ask you this does if you don't have perspective and you have pluto next to you that seems to me to be a very scary thing what do you think yes so pluto the sun pluto, think when you think of of uh lack of perspective, and you think of it as a potentially uh, problematic or even malignant force, you think of the Plutonian energy going astray in some way. So right. for instance, then you think, well, what does Pluto do on the dark side? Well, just just uh, consider the myth of Pluto, that Pluto has this quality of, of uh, uh, overpowering, being overpowered. Uh, also things like if you become extremely addicted, because Pluto is a very sticky, deep, intense energy. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of passion. You see this a lot in, in passion plays between people where you get jealousies and control patterns and stalking and insanity like that. So if the person has a sun conjunct Pluto, they may lose perspective on that and be vulnerable to being overtaken, overpowered, kidnapped, or incredibly attached, addicted to some kind of behavior that is Pluto on the dark side, like Pluto on the upside, ruling the underworld and death is the best transformer by far. The idea that it's Shiva in the Vedic, uh, um, you know, uh, paradigm, it's the idea that Shiva destroys in order to create very useful force, of course, if you can do it well, if not, then it's then it's it's problematic. And, and if the planet is close to the sun, and you start to see this person stuck in a rut, repeating something that is not particularly harmonious, helpful, like, for example, Pluto's son could be the classic uh, criminal, you know, or a fascist, right, yeah, someone yeah, who's totally enmeshed in the, the, uh, a white supremacist, someone who thinks the way to control the world and the way to feel good is to enslave everybody else. I'm going to take right. this. And that's because they're missing the point around Pluto, which is a very potent force, but it's not meant to be used that way. Right. That's the well, way. I think I, you're speaking to one of the Pluto words, which is power, the power dynamic and how there is a there's a concerted need to come to terms with your own inner power. But if you're doing it in the in the inferior way or the shadow way, then you're trying to use power over others instead of saying, well, I'll apply Pluto and be really, really directed in what I want to do and use 
the, the power of concentration to to do practices to make me powerful. It's actually yes, and, and go back going back to the principle of combustion. There, there's no space to see to have a perspective on it. I can see why it's easy to see the other as plural, not yourself, right? Or or actually worse, to actually start taking on the trappings of Pluto and think that you are super powerful and therefore you can overcome things that other people can't. And, and you know, then you've gotten to, to real problems. But uh, to some degree, I, I always think that when you put those two together, the solar path has to include the Pluto principle in some way, right? In some way you have to come to terms with power, the power dynamic. Right, right. But I mean, you think about the whole, you know, the whole idea of projection. So a person with sun Pluto, if they want to see the Pluto, they want to know what the Pluto is, they have to be the sun. Right. So to be the sun is the logic that that's prior to all your thinking, feeling, it's just your beingness. Then from that vantage point, you would likely get a sense of, oh, this is what I could do to help transform the world in some way. Right. And typically that's going to be benign. For example, it could make for a great psychologist. If the person yeah, has yeah, sure. their Pluto, they realize there are these problems in the world and I could be the agent to help change that. However, if you're not enough in your sun and the Pluto draws you in, this is where a person will go, oh, look at the world. The world needs changing. There are too many of this type of people. We got to get rid of these people. The, the, sure. the, the Hitlerian, Hitler type thing, that's Plutonian, yeah. Plutonian that's running amok, where you're going to change the world into something you think is the correct right. thing, whatever you've decided on, when it's just because that's your own bias. You know, there's no yeah. truth to I would think that that would probably operate more on an opposition or square, which we will get to. I'm wondering if the conjunction between the sun and the Pluto might make the person feel disempowered in some way because they can't quite or or make their solar journey seem like a disempowering thing, right? Because they can't, can't quite grasp it. It's too close. Yes. So yeah. like the Pluto principle is, and so maybe, you know, you, you were talking about women or men, they may attract to themselves people that play that Pluto story for them because it's very hard for them. Yeah, to very them. true. Very true. Very true. Very true. And, and very true also in that, in that uh, by and large, if you experience it in transit and it tends to be a very helpful force to really change right. you in a, in a, in some way, but you're totally right. Yeah, that it's the idea that you project it. So uh, yeah. for a woman, for example, if a woman has Pluto too close to the sun, she needs awareness to realize it's her Pluto. So the tendency is a Plutonian male will show up. And so they, right. uh, the, they'll be complaining, oh, my boss, he's horrible. He's constantly dictating to me and bossing me and being the Pluto outside. And even worse, if it's a marriage and, and it, right. leads to, it leads to those heavy, you know, when you hear about patterns of control and stalking and things like that are, are, are very Plutonian. So, I so think by the way, put up, yeah, that would apply you know, they, thing to any, to anybody, not only male or female or trans yeah, or what doesn't yeah, matter. No, not true, not Basically true, no, when yeah, you disown, yeah. when you disown the Pluto, somebody's going to play it out for you. Right. And one, one way the Pluto does often play is sexual control. That's just that it doesn't matter sure. what orientation you have. I think that it's a yeah. problem. You really have to actually start looking at it and dispassionately, which is hard because the sun's there. So you can't do it. No, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, cause we're doing, we're doing Pluto today. Now, don't get right. the, the idea that I'm speaking only of women and not men, because, oh, yeah, for example, if you want to see a man experiencing Pluto through a woman that becomes the all-powerful figure, just put Pluto next to the moon or put Pluto oh, next yeah, to Venus. And, and the same idea, because it's the sense of being your female and your male side at the same time. That's not easy to do. We, no, we tend no. to project. And so then, but right. the, the, the sun typically is is consider the, as you said earlier, I think the male, uh, you know, well, the masculine path, right? So I think yeah. with somebody with a, with a Pluto, it doesn't matter where they're coming from. 
uh, conjunct right. the sun, that path is going to be impacted by the power principle. They may attract it in in their. They may attract it in a boss. They may attract. They may have had a father or a or a solar figure in the family that created a lot of Pluto Plutonian kind of situations. But it's tough, right? But again, I want to finish with this by saying that what the word you brought into with conjunctions and and combustion actually is a word I haven't heard used, and I love it. The idea that the problem comes from a lack of perspective because you don't have the space to be able to see what's going on. So then the only thing you can counsel in that regard is to build that perspective and that awareness, which through presence work or whatever. And that, yeah. that applies to everything. I understand it. Yeah. But I think it, it was more, much more so with conjunctions because you don't have with conjunctions. That. Yeah. And, and by the way, we're jumping ahead a little bit because we'll be talking about other angles like yeah. squares or when you get things at right angles to each other. And then the opposition is when the planet is on the other side. And it's right. it's a standard definition that the most aware aspect is the opposition because you can see the planet. The two are opposite. Right, right. So then there's a sense. This is here. That's there. It's obvious. Even the square is a little tricky that way because it's off to the side. You don't quite see it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You know no, that it's sure. a conflict. And in the conjunction, you don't see anything. So then you have to become familiar with that. In other words, it's a kind of a finer awareness in your own practice to realize, oh, I'm doing this thing and... And it, you know, I'm I'm assuming that it's this way, but maybe it isn't this way. Maybe no, no. I'm doing it wrong because it's not working out for me <laughs> so well. You know, Absolutely, it no. It's a, yeah. so so. Next time we're going to look at uh, the moon and go through the same process we went through because I think it's really helpful. First of all, it repeats some of the archetypal energies so people can get them cemented. But secondly. I think every conversation, when you get to the moon, the combustion is not an issue anymore. You have other no. issues. You have other issues yes. we could talk about, but it's different. And so we'll go yeah. planet by planet, excluding the sun, because we've already talked about it, of course, but we'll go moon, moon Mercury in ahead. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't cover the one we didn't cover. Uh, we can leave it for next time, but there is the sun Eris, right. which I think could also be really useful. Uh, well, if someone actually has it and nothing is coming to mind at the moment, right, but okay. that archetype would also be super important you know right. kind of like Pluto, but that totally different uh totally different well, still thing. that warrior energy and maybe the 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 the, the I'm, I'm assuming i have not paid attention to it but it might bring the notion of being an advocate or uh being an advocate for the people who don't have a seat at the table let's say because you yourself never had a seat at the table or never felt you had a seat at the table that's the, one of the ways i would look at it um in some ways right disempowerment but then looking for empowerment through finding I'm just thinking about Iris as it relates to the story of how she did not have a, a seat at the table, the wedding. Right. And so she came in and disrupted everything. <laughs> so it could be the great disruptor in you because you feel you have been victimized or not allowed a voice. And when you yeah. don't allow I mean, people a voice, they come back, right? It's, it's a new new energy, so it's still being studied. But you can, you can think of, for instance, some of the effects could be, and if it's a conjunction and you bring in the combust and all that, then, for example, you might have a, in this case, a, a woman who is maybe uh, gets on a feminist um, mm -hmm. trend and, and maybe is overplaying it a bit, let's say right. a bit too much, or the notion of, which you see with Iris a lot, because of the, you know, the thing, what, what the myth says is it's a competition. So Iris yeah. is intensely competitive. I just did this thing with Arnold. Arnold has Iris up on in Aries, up in the midheaven, right. wired, and so he was incredibly competitive, particularly early in his life through right. what he was doing. So the, th those particular patterns can show up, and if it's a conjunction, is there a perspective? Right. Are you doing it properly? And and uh, right. again, if you're advocating well, then that's a really useful 
archetype and if not so well then you'll attract all those problems as well but the idea is that they're that they're conjunct and well so well i would leave it with, with just on the thought of you as impossible as a conjunction to me it might manifest in a person who overplays that who is so enraged about some being disowned or, or being uh, victimized yes, yes. in some way that they may take too much action that is in a way revengeful and it could lead to the Trojan War which we don't like so it is that feeling because you don't have the perspective to see that what's driving your need to save others is the fact that you yourself were victimized so there's it's like everything right you've got to really be looking at it carefully so you don't pass on the very thing that that was happening to you and again with conjunctions that perspective can be a little bit problematic so if you're at least this here's what I would say if you're at least aware that you have, let's say, Sun Pluto or Sun Saturn, then at least try to work on that distance. Try to work on how can I gain perspective by really understanding the planetary symbolism and then saying, where am I seeing this in my life? I mean, that's just the basic question people should ask. Where am I playing the Saturn, Sun Saturn overwork or overdisciplined or harsh? And this is, and I think that's the only you know reason to study this is to be able to actually live a better life and maybe not torture other people uh, with your own with your own um, unseen uh, complexes, which is you yeah, know, what a, yeah, which a complex is. What else is there, you know? Yeah, and no, the thing is that that that's the logic of astrology is that say if a person discovered, oh yeah, look, I have sun Uranus conjunct. Well, then to begin with, even just the lunar movement as it's moving around will trigger that conjunction several times a month. So you get a chance to feel what's going on, sense what's going on, see what's going on. And you will, over time, build a kind of collage of your sun eras because you, you should spot, for example, say you have a really competitive something in you that because of eras, the moon will trigger it and you then you might be comparing yourself to someone or you know you get lost in a some kind of thing oh yeah i'm doing that i see that's the that's the eras so slowly you're beginning to be familiar with the archetype so that it doesn't capture you in the same right, way right. And, and lead you into into you know cul-de-sacs because yeah. competition if you use competition well it's a tremendous asset the, the thing with competition is to help yourself do something you maybe you otherwise wouldn't do and this is where people will say all oh, those tennis players the one tennis player made the other tennis player be better because he he challenged them to find new resources and stuff. That's great. It's yeah. only when it becomes corrupted and then yes. you know you you become captive of the of the archetype. Yeah, exactly. Great. Okay, so let's meet next time to talk about the moon and what happens when you put the moon together with a whole bunch of uh, planets like we did today. Right. Thanks a lot for today. Sounds okay. good. All right. Okay. Thanks for listening today. If you want to hear more about all of this, go to YouTube where you will find Andre's channel called Astrology Alert. He posts videos there almost daily. He also teaches classes through his Patreon account. You can find me at sophiacycles.com. If you want to support my work, I've recently released a new novel called Invocation, which you may find of interest. Go to my website to see a book trailer about it. It's available in all fine bookstores, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Finally, if you like this podcast, please rate it and leave a review so that others will find it as well.